What's going on guys? It's your boy Scrub here back again with another week of Ryan's Rants. That's right week number six We're gonna be having ourselves a fantastic. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors Saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Take episode. Hope you guys all had a great week. I know I did and uh thank you all so much for the support on last week's episode and without further ado, let's get rocking. Let's get rolling. So this week I just wanted to make everyone have some visceral cringe with a story I found. I'm going to warn you guys, this one hurts. Like, if you don't want to cringe, I would just fast forward. I don't even know where the next clip's going to be because this is some next level hurt. Today I messed up by trapping a girl in a revolving door. Off rip, I'm not really sure how you do that. I thought the whole point of a revolving door is that they could stay moving. How you manage to break a revolving door and make it trap someone is beyond me. Yeah, I would say that would be uh, considered a pretty big mess up. If you're a polite person, it's muscle memory to hold the door open for whoever's behind you. I was leaving my university's library through a revolving door, and I was reading something on my phone, and this gorgeous girl was behind me with a coffee in one hand and books in the other. Okay, so what? You just walked through the revolving door and she was behind you? There really is no way to hold a revolving door for somebody. I'm not really getting it. I also just don't like the way this person types, you know? No offense to you as a person, I'm sure you're cool or whatever, I don't know. But if you're a polite person, your muscle memory is to hold the door. What if I don't believe in holding doors, huh? What if I go out of my way to slam doors on people's faces, especially if they have their hands full? That's my right. I'm an American. I'm pretty sure the 87th Amendment says uh, I have the right to slam the door on whoever I want. Someone in the comments right now is telling me that there isn't 87 amendments, and uh, we're all aware of that, except for you. You you typing. Stop it. As I exit into the open, without even realizing, I hold back my hand to stop the motion of the door, and she walked right into the glass, spilling coffee all over herself. Bro, I get it would be muscle memory, but come on, you're telling me that you pushed back on the motion of the revolving door hard enough where it completely stopped and she ran into it and spilled coffee all over herself? She's sitting there with, like, the coffee burns seeping through her clothing. Oh, it's so hot. It's so hot. He's standing there just like, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? This seems like something straight up out of a sitcom. I'm sorry. Like, this is something that you would expect to happen when, like, the nerdy person in the show out of the group goes to college and accidentally does something like this. Do you think they're going to put warning signs up in the library? Like, watch out for the guy who stops revolving doors, especially when people have hot drinks in their hands. Oh, man, the secondhand embarrassment. What did the people around you think? Like, what are you going to do if you're in the library and you see this go down? Maybe this makes me a horrible person, but I think I would have a hard time not laughing out loud. Just because, like I said, it doesn't seem like it would be real. I would assume someone had a camera somewhere and they were filming. Because, like, how is this reality? I can't blame you for posting this on Today I uh, Messed Up. Because, goodness gracious, bro, this is so secondhand cringe it sounds fake. 
But hey, obviously you turned around, you apologized, you helped her clean up, like, you know, you made the most of it, right? You, you went out of your way to help the person who you just made run into this glass door? I panicked and ran. I can never go back. Dude, she spills the coffee all over herself, looks up to try to see the person who stopped the door from spinning and just sees you running away. She 100% thinks you did it on purpose now. I hope you know that. Like, if I got coffee all over myself in this situation, and I looked up and the person who just made me spill coffee all over myself was running, I would 100% assume that they were waiting there and did that on purpose. Am I wrong? Like, is that just paranoid of me? Nothing is more suspicious to me than someone just running away. Like, to me, that just seems like you probably had something to do with this on purpose. I'm not gonna lie, you can't go back. Like, they're going to have to put up signs. Everybody guard your hot drinks because some guy's running around knocking them out of people's hands. I get sometimes in awkward situations, you, like, just do things that you wouldn't do again in the moment. <laughs> but, oh my goodness, sprinting away? Oh, man, that one hurts. That one hurts. I told you guys it was pretty viscerally cringe, but, uh, it's... It's a little much. We gotta move on. Alright, so like literally my favorite game of all time is one of the games that just kind of got abandoned by the developers. Every now and then they'll release like a battle pass or an operation, but that's about it. I'm talking about CSGO. If you're really into CSGO, you know what I'm talking about. Like 128 tick servers still aren't here, Source 2 still isn't here. The game hasn't had really any major changes since uh, I started playing it way back in the day, other than like some rank changes. But there's something going on with their social media, and I'm not gonna hold my breath. Chances are Valve just forgot they owned CSGO and are like, Oh crap, yeah, 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 we should tweet some stuff. I don't know if this is gonna mean any changes, but I really hope this leads to some updates, bro. That game needs some love. CSGO teases players with hidden messages. What does it mean? It probably means literally nothing. Like, I I've gotten my hopes up enough time that something's going to change in this game where I'm not going to do it again. That being said, I really hope it means something. It's kind of like when you know something's very unlikely to happen, but you hope it happens. Like, if you ever buy a lottery ticket, you obviously hope you win the lottery. You're not going to win the lottery, but you hope it happens. How depressing is that? I feel like this game gets so few updates and like such little attention from Valve that I'm equating it having a big update to winning the lottery. You know, the thing that's less likely than being struck by lightning twice? Oh yeah, that's just more likely than the game getting an update it deserves. As for the secret message, they changed their Twitter banner, and when you put it into Photoshop and like crank the exposure, it was a message that says, just a banner, nothing to see here. Which doesn't imply anything, but it is an update and at least something that they've done on the account. And as soon as people found out, they changed it back. Which maybe signifies that they're at least trying to start some engagement. Maybe get people talking, paying attention again so they can announce an update. Hopefully, fingers crossed, unlikely. Since the discovery of the picture I was talking about, the CSGO Twitter has updated the banner to simply read as Counter-Strike with blue and orange colors. Other CSGO fans did some digging and noticed that back in June, CSGO's social media channels used similar language regarding a recent blog post. 
As of now, it's hard to tell if this is all an elaborate joke or something to be monitored for a larger announcement. It's possible CSGO could be rebranding to Counter-Strike or a full shift over to Source 2. So if you're not a huge Counter-Strike fan, Source 2 is an updated engine that people have kind of been talking about of like, one day they're gonna add Source 2, one day they're gonna add Source 2, it would just modernize the gameplay, make it look a lot better. I really hope that they do that, that would be sick. I'm gonna be honest, I had very high hopes when Valorant came out that like, alright, now they're gonna have to start updating CSGO. They lost so many players to Valorant from CSGO. There were pro players that had been playing Counter-Strike since they were like in 5th grade switching over to Valorant because it had more updates and more money to be a pro player over there. And man, if that didn't light a fire under Valve's butt to actually start paying attention to the game and changing it, then I don't know what will. I think Valve is just in a situation where they make so much money off Steam, there really isn't as much money by comparison to like having a game that's doing well. They get a cut of all the Steam market transactions. I'm pretty sure they get a cut of all the games that get bought. Like, come on. They're making money hand over fist. Even if they spent a bunch of money on CSGO, I don't know what it would do. And if you look at some of the other games they own, look at how long it's taken them to fix Team Fortress 2. That's what is making me extremely skeptical too, is like the other games that they have, they don't really love to go out and fix either. So I don't know. I'm not getting my hopes up. It's interesting they're at least trying to use the social media account again. I, I think it would be cool if they got it running again, especially because when that game was popping back in like 2016, 2017, I know they make a lot of money already, but the skins and market transactions alone was probably a solid chunk of income. So I, I hope CSGO can have a comeback. I'm doubtful, but I just thought a little update would be cool because, you know... For some reason, a lot of people on this channel like video games. Okay, this story I just thought was hilarious, bro. So, the mullet's been having a comeback. I'm not really sure how to feel about that. On one hand, I think retro stuff is pretty cool. On the other hand, we have to be honest with ourselves and understand that the mullet is not a very good haircut. But I don't think most of them are offensive. I didn't realize that people were, like, actually out here being so angry over the mullet they wanted them banned. But for one person, their mullet was deemed so offensive their school banned them. John Paul College student banned from school grounds because of unsuitable mullet haircut. Goodness gracious, man, this mullet really pissed off somebody in the office. They were like, I will not stand for there being mullets in my school. This ridiculousness will end now. It's even nuttier because it's a, a college. I don't know if this is the same as the states, but are they paying for this? If they're paying tuition and he's getting kicked out because of his mullet, that's absolutely absurd. Even if they're not paying tuition, if it's a public school, it's still stupid. A mullet? Really? Like, who really cares? I mean, I'm not saying it's fantastic, but is it going to interrupt the school day at all? I've never understood that argument. Oh, if someone has blue hair, no one's gonna learn. It's like, what? How are these two dots connected? That's like someone hopping in their car and being like, yep, this baby's not a hybrid, but I still plug it in every night. You're like, I, uh, okay, alright, this makes no sense. Petrina Wilson is maintaining the rage as her son faces a fourth week barred from the grounds of John Paul College because he is in a contravention of the school's policy relating to hairstyles. 
Miss Wilson told the paper her son had been denied entry to the school for the past three weeks because of his hairstyle. A mullet and shaved head was deemed unsuitable under its college uniform and personal or personnel, sorry, appearance expectations policy. The policy adds shaved hair, fads, and extreme haircuts are unsuitable for school. Shaved hair is unsuitable for school. Sorry, Baldy, get out of here. We don't care that you started balding at the age of 15. You can't go to school here, moron. I just don't get this rule. I feel like this is one of those rules from like 37 years ago that doesn't make that much sense anymore. Okay, if we start letting people have weird haircuts, what's next? They're gonna stop doing their homework, huh? Huh? And they're like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, how are any of these dots connected? Maybe I'm stupid, but in my opinion, I feel like as long as the work gets done and it's done effectively, I don't really care what type of haircut people have. And before someone in the comments is like, this is preparing them for the real world. You can't have a silly haircut in the real world. It's like, dude, I, I don't know if you know this, but the real world has gotten increasingly nuts too. I feel like, yeah, maybe a shaved head mullet combo is a little much, but most places will probably let you have a pretty out there haircut now. Maybe I'm wrong. But at least where I live, like, I see people with crazy hair all the time. So they got to be doing something. I, I don't know. They had to pay for the haircut somehow. I guess theoretically they could have just stolen hair dye. But you get what I mean. It's just kind of a, a weird situation to be so up in arms about this, especially for that long. A month? A month? You kick this kid out of school for a month, he's going to fall behind all of his peers, fail his yearly exam. Dude going to have to retake the entire year of school. Well, that's the lesson that you have to learn about the haircut policy. Like, this is just gonna make this kid hate school forever. You know that, right? Like, from now on, he's gonna be like, Ugh, I hate school. And tell everyone the story of how he got kicked out of school for like a month and a half over a mullet. And what's dumb is I guess this guy's on the football team, and they won some championship thing. And to celebrate, the entire team, like, gave each other weird haircuts. And everyone else has been allowed to come back to school with their weird haircuts, except for him. This guy's gotta have the worst mullet of all time. Imagine having a mullet so bad that they're looking at it and they're like, alright, everyone else can come back to school, their haircuts aren't that bad. But that guy, that guy's haircut is the most atrocious thing I've ever seen. I don't know where he came from, but tell him he can't come back until that's off the back of his head. I think this entire thing is stupid. I think he should just be allowed to come to school, especially if everybody else has. I just thought this was nuts, that apparently you can have a haircut so bad you're expelled from school. I love french fries. I love ketchup. It's a fact that french fries and ketchup is an American tradition. We should just rename them to, like, America fries, because the French would not love some fried potato and ketchup. But anyways, I digress. If you love fresh ketchup on the freeway in California, some dude crashed his tomato truck and then a bunch of cars ran over the tomatoes. And then they had to close the freeway because there was so much fresh ketchup, people were lining up for miles to try to dip some fries in it. Officer, officer, I drove all the way from Los Angeles. Can I please try the street ketchup, please? A tomato spill makes a major California highway a marinara mess. I'm not saying marinara is not good, I just think ketchup is much better. If I had to list all the tomato-based sauces in, like, order of uh, dipping, I would say marinara is for sure top five, probably still top three, but ketchup is my number one personally. Anyways, imagine you're just cruising down the road doing your thing. You're on your way to your favorite concert, you know, Nickelback's in town, you're gonna go get your rock star on. As you're on your way there, you see a truck next to you. Huh, I wonder what that truck has in the back. You think to yourself, well, bam, it flips over. 
all over the road. Red gold, baby. Tomatoes come spilling out. They start splattering. No, you exclaim. Not the tomatoes. You run into traffic yourself. Cars swerving around you, trying to scoop up as many tomatoes as you can, saving the day. The farmer tells you, just leave them, just leave them. But little does he know that you love tomatoes. Anyways, bro, I just think it would be nuts to see all of this go down. Anytime something crashes and spills a bunch of something over the road, I think it's a funny story. I don't know why. It just it just makes my funny receptor tingle in brain. When everyone's okay. Like, I don't want anyone to get it twisted. It's not funny that someone crashed the car. Like, obviously, I hope he's okay. I hope there was some way for him to get compensated for, like, everything that was ruined. But the idea of a major freeway. Humans have come so far that we've made freeways that go through states, through countries. And uh, every now and then, tomato get on road. And everyone's like, oh, no, tomato on road. No one can drive. Some California drivers got a saucy surprise in their Monday morning commute after a truck hit the center divider on I-80 between San Francisco and Sacramento, slathering several lanes and quickly crushed tomatoes. Sacramento's KTVU-TV news reported that the accident, which happened around 5 a.m. local time near Vacaville, caused heavy traffic but no injuries, and it took hours for the State Department of Transportation to clean up and reopen all the lanes of the highway, the highway patrol said. The people who work for, like, the the highway department that they were saying it took them hours to clean this up, like, that has to be something that no one would believe. Oh, what do you do for work? Oh, I work for the highway department. That's awesome. Anything cool ever happen? Yeah, one time I had to get a mop and mop up six lanes of traffic worth of crushed tomatoes. I guess that was pretty entertaining, and the person's like, dude, you could have just said nothing entertaining happens. You didn't have to make something up. No, I'm being serious. I really love cleaning up tomatoes. It's a passion of mine. When I was a young man, I used to go around, throw tomatoes on the floor, and then clean them up because it made me feel useful in the world. The fact that I get to clean up tomatoes off the highway is the greatest joy I have in my life. My wife and my kids are cool, sure, but I think the best day of my life is when I got hired to the tomato division. I think having a family is pretty second rate compared to getting tomatoes up. You know what I mean? Yeah, you probably get it. You seem like you're a tomato type of guy, and you're just standing there like, whoa, all right, all right, man, too much information. I know this story means literally nothing. I, like, I'm glad no one was injured. I know a lot of you guys are like, Ryan, please stop talking about the tomatoes. So, so I will end it. But if you're out there driving in California, watch out, watch out. Get ready to dodge tomatoes. All right, you guys know I had to talk about Overwatch 2. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Not Overwatch 2, the original one. Not my favorite, but I put a lot of time into the original, and uh, I wanted to really love this too. I feel like this and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 were... The two games that I wanted to be really good, and uh, it seems like both times I was dramatically disappointed. And don't get it twisted, I'm not trying to say that Overwatch 2 is the worst game of all time. I'm not even trying to say that it's bad, but here's the thing. I think they announced this, like, years ago, and uh, for a sequel that's supposed to revolutionize everything, change the game, just bring a bunch of players back... It feels like the exact same game with a big update. Like, if someone just told me that this was the new season of Overwatch and they changed stuff, I would probably believe you. And listen, I'm fine with that. I don't think they needed to try to reinvent the wheel, but they kind of hyped it up like they were reinventing the wheel, which is why I expected a little bit more than, like, what is different. 
And I'm not saying I'm never going to play the game. I liked Overwatch still. Was it as popping as it was when it first came out? Was it as fun as it was? No, but I would still play it from time to time. But I think the way they hype this up is just like a revolutionary change to Overwatch. Oh my gosh, you guys are going to be so addicted to this. It's just not that different. And even gameplay and just like everything else aside, the launch has not been that smooth, which is not surprising because we're talking about video games in 2022. Every launch is about as broken as a window after you throw a baseball through it. There's just no launches that seem to go as smooth as you want. But the day the game came out, it would have been sweet if I could really play it. I ended up playing like three games of Overwatch 2 the first day it came out because servers were just so broken that you could not get into the game. In fact, I was having trouble getting into the queue to get into the game. You know, waiting in line to get in line when a game comes out is just exactly what you want to do. And I'm still getting queues to get into the game. And I know someone in the comments is going to be like, oh, the player numbers, there's just so many people playing. What did they expect was going to happen when they released Overwatch 2? You're telling me that Blizzard, out of all these game companies, doesn't have the money or the capability to make servers that can handle the launch? We all know that's not true, bro. Like, come on. I think it's going to get rid of a lot of new players that the servers were so bad and have been so bad. Because they made it free to play, right? Like, oh, okay, let's get a bunch of people in on it. Let's get a bunch of people streaming it. Like, like, let's get it popping. You know what's really not good for a game that you've never played before and want to try out? Not being able to get into the servers. I was willing to wait all day to get into the servers. I just, like, had it open in the background while I was working. But if you're somebody that only has two, three hours to play video games, maybe a hour, and you can't get into servers for 40 minutes, are you going to come back and try that game again? Or are you probably just going to toss that into the won't play again pile? You know, we all have that like neglected game list of, of stuff that we got but never really got crazy into. I feel like this game is probably going to get tossed in there for a lot of people that never played any Overwatch 1 just because of how weird the launch has been. And on top of that, too, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep complaining here. I don't think the loot box system was fantastic. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. I don't think anything where you can buy it to, like, have a chance to unlock skins is fantastic. But you know what I dislike a lot more? <laughs> way, way more? But then they turn around and make every legendary skin, like, what, $10, $15, $20? I'm not sure the exact price, but I have to pay real money for it now, and there's no chance to just kind of unlock it through playing the game. Actually, I take that back. There is a way to unlock it, but this is, this is adding insult to injury. Y'all will laugh when I say this. So you can earn in-game currency through playing. That makes sense. You want to motivate your players to come back every day consistently. So you can earn 60 Overwatch coins a week through these like weekly challenge things. So you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, so you can get a legendary skin once a month. Nope, it would take 33 weeks if you save up doing all the weekly challenges to buy one skin, one legendary skin. Uh, there's a lot of heroes in the game, so <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem that worth it to me. Even if you did all your weekly challenges, it'd take you over half a year to get to the point where you have one legendary skin. That's a big oof. And they're framing it as like, yeah, we got rid of loot boxes. It was probably cheaper to buy loot boxes until I got everything than this whole having to pay real money for each individual skin and item. Plus, I still got currency out of the loot boxes, and I got the loot boxes from playing the game. Leveling up, you know, doing the, like, arcade challenges. 
And this one, you want to get a skin, bust out the credit card, or buy the battle pass. I just don't get why they couldn't have done both. Like, couldn't you have a battle pass, loot boxes, and the ability to buy the skin? Obviously, money. Like, we all know why they did it the way that they did it. It's a money thing. But I don't necessarily love that either. Because it also makes the grind feel a lot less rewarding when you're not, like, getting something every time you win a game, you know? I'm not saying I need a loot box to keep playing, but yeah, it felt good when you leveled up and you got a loot box, and most of the time you got nothing, but opening it was still fun. And then one last gripe. So, there's three different classes in the game. You got support, you have, like, damage, and then you have tanks. There used to be two of each on a team. There would be six players. They got rid of a tank, which, you know, is fine. It makes the game feel a little bit different, but whatever. It's, like, a a big update. Like I said, imagine if they just took tanks out of the game to see what it felt like. But the queue times for DPS and support are like two minutes to get into a game. Because there's only one tank, it's just kind of built this backlog, and I've seen it get as high as like 10-12 minutes. Which is nuts, considering how new this game is, so I don't know how they're gonna fix that, but they probably gotta figure that out, because you don't want a situation where no one plays tank because they don't want to sit for 15 minutes in the queue before the game starts. Especially after you've already had to sit in line for 20 minutes to get into the game in the first place. They really just have been making it hard to find this game enjoyable, man. And and don't get it twisted. I'm still going to support it. Like, you're probably going to see gameplay of it. I'm going to give it time to get better. But so far, I can't say I'm, like, dramatically impressed. It's, it's not awful. I know that sounds stupid considering how much I just complained about it. Like, if you like Overwatch and you really want to give it a try if you've never tried it before, then then go for it. But just considering how much it was hyped up and they said that it's going to be, like, revolutionary, it's going to be the most insane thing we've ever seen, guys, trust us. It's not that. It, it is simply not that. Plus, I don't have Jeff Kaplan here anymore to say it's Jeff from the Overwatch team, so my heart is a little bit broken. But yeah, that that's Overwatch 2. I, I don't know if you guys like these kind of game review things that I've been doing whenever something comes out that I've been excited for, but if you like these in the podcast, if you could like comment, I would appreciate it. But they need to fix servers first and foremost. That is number one. All the other stuff can be patched slowly and fixed little by little, but if people can't play the game, yeah, that, that's a big deal. People tend to not be fans of downloading something and not being able to access it. At least they didn't pay for it anymore. You know, most launches today are broken, and you gave them money for the game. At least Overwatch 2, the launch has been broken, but it was free. But yeah, alright, let's get out of here. Uh, this is Jeff with the Overwatch team, back with another video. Alright, and of course, y'all know that it's a weekly tradition that we talk about the, uh, Russia-Ukraine war here on the podcast. Ukraine had another insane offensive. I know the last three weeks I've been talking about insane offensives, but that's because every time I wake up and check the news, it's like, oh yeah, they took more territory. Russia's drafting has been going even worse than we talked about last week. A bunch of people are literally being handed, like, rusty AKs. It's not looking too hot. Even then, they're still sending these people to the front lines incredibly quickly. Like, two weeks ago, they started announcing the draft. You think maybe at least a month of training? No, they're already finding people on the front lines that got drafted, like, a week ago. They're just getting sent straight into the microwave. But let's talk about it. 
Ukraine takes swaths of territory despite Russia's mobilization. In the 32nd week of the war, advance, advances excuse me, in the east and south show Kyiv is maintaining its counteroffensive momentum while Moscow is pulling back forces from Crimea. Yeah, things aren't going too hot. This is especially nutty when you think about the fact that Vladimir Putin framed this all as a special military operation. Everyone thought, myself included, that he was going to march into Kiev and take it in like two days. Kiev, whatever, sorry, I I'm American, I'm not good at pronunciations. And here he is 32 weeks later having to do a full mobilization, losing support at home. People don't like being drafted, believe it or not, especially when they go to get equipment and they're like, hey, there is none. By the way, you don't get training. Good luck on the front lines. Russia has never really been that great at military strategy, at least from what we've seen in history. They've always just used like the human wave model. I just think that doesn't really work in modern warfare. When you have equipment, that means that, like, a well-trained platoon of 50 guys can theoretically be more efficient than just a thousand dudes that don't know what they're doing. Not in terms of, like, literal combat. A thousand dudes standing around that don't know how to run an artillery gun, though, is, is pretty useless to you. Overall, it seems like Ukraine just keeps getting momentum on its side, but what's scary about that is Russia does not like the embarrassment it's being put through, so I hope they don't press the big red button. Russia's mobilization of 200,000 conscripts seems to have had no impact during the 32nd week of the war as Ukrainian forces recapture more territory in the east and south of the country. On September 30th, Ukrainian forces advancing from Izium surrounded Lyman in the eastern Donetsk region and recaptured the town the following day. The spectacular encirclement of the strategic town and expanse of surrounding territory trapped Russian personnel trying to flee. So this situation was especially embarrassing. Last Friday, uh, basically, Putin did this huge, like, fake election thing in the regions that they were occupying, saying that they were going to get to choose if they want to be a part of Russia. And unsurprisingly, like, over 90% of the vote ended up being magically for Russia. It's weird, when a bunch of people have fled their home because it's in a war zone, there's uh, dramatically less people to vote. And literally, there was footage of the lady reading the ballots and saying that they were for Russia when they were blank. Like, if you zoom in, there's nothing on them. It was a sham election, but anyways, they do this sham election. Putin does this huge speech saying that that is now Russian territory. They will defend it with all means necessary. This is now Russia. It will forever be Russia. And two days later, they lost, like, most of the territory that they had just said that they were annexing. Which does not make them look good, bro. You can't come out and give a speech about how this is gonna be Russia forever and always, and you'll use all your military might to defend it, and then lose it a day later. I think that is why, though, people are starting to get a lot more nervous about the nuclear thing, is Putin's always been like, no, I'm super tough, I'm a big tough guy. Well, big tough guys went backed into a corner and being absolutely styled on by a military that was supposed to be like 1-18th their strength, tend to do stupid things, you know? I don't even know why he started the war in the first place, but whatever it is, it's not going too hot, and he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's just going to calm down and say, whatever, I made a mistake, I'll calmly step down from being president of Russia and hand over the power. That's not going to happen, and I think if he just, like, admits defeat, then the Russian people are going to be very, very unhappy. They've been cut off from the rest of the world for literally nothing if they admit defeat. 
Biden says risk of nuclear Armageddon highest in 60 years. U.S. President compares threat now with the Cuban Missile Crisis, which brought the world to brink of catastrophe in 1962. Ah, just what you love to hear on an early weekend morning, you know, everyone thinks that we're getting closer and closer to nuclear annihilation. I think nuclear war is a very bad idea. I don't think there's really any way it stays contained. One, nuclear fallout is going to spread. Ukraine is close to Europe. If anything gets used, it's going to affect them, like it or not. Two, if you start doing the tit-for-tat thing, very quickly it ends up in global thermonuclear war. Like, there's not many instances where they launch a nuke, we launch one back, and then everyone just stands there and looks at each other and wags their fingers and says, okay, let's stop it now. No, if it pops off, it's popping off, and that's not going to be fun for literally anybody involved. I think the uh, worst part about all of this is the fact that, like, Russia really does not have many checks and balances in place when it comes to any of this. If the United States wanted to do something, we could have a crazy person in charge. But there's still people along the chain that have to sign off, give the code, press the button... In Russia, I don't know if that is necessarily as there, maybe back in the day under the USSR, but I don't think people say no to Putin. In fact, if anything, Putin probably sleeps with an iPad next to him with the codes on it ready to go just because it makes him feel more powerful. Especially after how much he's been getting his butt kicked in Ukraine, you know, he probably just sits there and looks at the button and is like, they don't know that I can press the button. I, I could press it. I could be I could be the guy to press the button. And everyone's like, Vladimir, please don't. And he's like, but I could. And he, referring to Biden... Challenged the Russian nuclear doctrine, warning that the use of lower-yield tactical weapons could quickly spiral out of control. I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical weapon and not end up with Armageddon. We have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis was not a very good vibe. I think one of the main generals that was involved in it had literally said that we were steps away from nuclear war and we're just really lucky that everybody involved was thinking rationally. And when you look at everything that's gone down with Russia and Ukraine, I don't think thinking rationally comes to the forefront of my mind. I don't think we're going to have nuclear Armageddon, but living in a time where it's back on the menu as a possibility is not exactly reassuring. I'm not going to spend my life, like, sweating about it, though, and stressing about it, and I don't think you guys should either. Either? Oh my goodness, I can't talk. You guys get what I'm trying to say, because, like, there's nothing we can do about it. Nuclear weapons are out of the average person's control, and, uh, I don't think the average person would be very supportive. And if for whatever reason it does happen, then there's really no reason to be worried, because we're all just going to be, I don't know, living the new Fallout life, walking around trying to find some Nuka-Cola... Either way, that's going to be it for the Russia update this week. Thank you all so much for uh, sticking around. I got more stories, though, so don't leave. Don't leave. But thanks for watching the Russia part. All right, now this one is just straight up stupid. Uh, I don't really cover a whole lot of, like, true crime stuff, and that's the first place I saw this story was the true crime thing. But the more that comes out, the more I think it becomes a dumb criminal situation. There was this lady that got kidnapped, I'm doing air quotes, and obviously the United States doesn't like people being kidnapped, so they started a frantic manhunt. She had kids, her husband was on TV being like, I want my wife to come home. 
Come to find out, she had just faked her kidnapping to get back with her ex-boyfriend. Nothing says true love like faking a kidnapping and leaving your kids to get back with your ex. She faked her kidnapping to go back to her ex. Now she'll get 18 months in prison. I don't know what this lady was going through, alright, but I feel like leaving your husband and your kids to go back to your ex is already messed up, but it is less messed up than faking being kidnapped and just convincing your former family that, like, you got yeeted into oblivion and they've always gotta wonder what happened. If you don't wanna be with the guy you have kids with anymore, then, like, I, I don't know, you can just not be with him. Sure, it would make things awkward, but I feel like faking your kidnapping is way more complicated than just ending things. If you're unhappy enough to start faking your kidnapping and faking your death, it's time to go, dude. When you go this far, though, yeah, you deserve some time in jail. Think about all the stuff you put your family through, but also all the wasted resources. The FBI was out looking for this lady that got apparently kidnapped when come to find out she's just hanging out with her boyfriend. How much money do you think they wasted on stuff just trying to find her? Like if they had helicopters out looking, all the fuel, all the time that they could have been searching for somebody else. Imagine being somebody else that went missing when all this was going down and all the resources were being focused on this case. Meanwhile, you're like in the trunk of a car. It'll be okay. They'll come looking. A Northern California mother of two was sentenced Monday to 18 months in prison for faking her kidnapping so she could go back to a former boyfriend, which led to a three-week multi-state search before she resurfaced on Thanksgiving Day in 2016. Sherry Papini, 40, pled guilty last spring to staging the abduction and lying to the FBI about it. As part of a plea bargain, she's required to pay more than $300,000 in restitution. I don't get why you would thank your kidnapping. I, I don't get why you would think it's a good idea to fake something like that. But I especially don't understand why you would try to keep the lie going when it's gotten so out of control and the FBI is involved. Like, once the FBI has apparently rescued you from your kidnapper and they start asking you questions, it's probably time to just come clean. Because, yeah, the second you start lying to the FBI, they're going to look into it and they don't like when you try to make them look stupid. I also love that she just came back home, you know, all this time spent practicing for her fake kidnapping, setting up to go to her boyfriend. For three weeks? Dude, just coming back home thinking everything was going to be back to normal. Your husband, your kids, everything was just going to be like, Oh, wow, so glad you're back. We're not going to ask any questions about what happened. No one in your community was going to ask any follow-up questions. The guy that you left and faked this huge kidnapping to be with is never going to talk. I'm sure when they start looking into where you were and they see that you were with him, they're going to show up to his house and be like, hey, why did you kidnap this lady? And I don't think he's going to have your back. He's probably very quickly going to sell you out and be like, uh-uh-uh-uh, she came to my house completely willingly. There was no kidnapping involved. I just thought she was coming to hang out. I didn't even realize she was telling people she was kidnapped. That, that took me uh, for a loop to say the least. I was not expecting that. Probation officers and Papini's attorney had recommended that she spend a month in custody and seven months in supervised home detention, while prosecutors wanted her to serve the eight months behind bars. But senior U.S. Judge, Judge William Shubb, excuse me, said that he opted for an 18-month sentence in order to deter others. The judge said he considered the seriousness of the offense and the sheer number of people who were impacted. It included law enforcement officers who searched for her, the community that believed her for four years, 
Those who lived in fear because of her story being abducted by two Hispanic women in the Latino community that was falsely viewed with suspicion. Four years? Four years she kept this up? I'm not too familiar with this. I don't know why everything started unraveling, but like, she probably thought she had gotten away with it too. Oh yeah, four years ago I faked my kidnapping. I don't know what happened, but given the way 2022 has been going, I wouldn't be surprised if she made a TikTok about how she, like, faked her kidnapping and it went viral. Everyone started realizing, wait a second, you faked your kidnapping? That's kind of bizarre. I just feel like this entire story could have been prevented with a little bit of follow-through and thinking through what was going to happen. Alright, I'm gonna go missing. I'm gonna convince my caring family that loves me that I've been kidnapped. They are going to do nothing and just let me be gone? Of course they're going to call the cops. Of course it's not normal for a mother of two to just go missing and abandon her kids. No one would think that was what was going on here. Obviously they were going to assume there was some foul play involved. At least from what I've seen, most people aren't out there abandoning their kids all willy-nilly. Now that she's back, that's got to be a really awkward relationship with the kids that she was supposed to be with, you know? Hey kids, what's up? Mom, we don't really want to talk to you. Ever since you faked being kidnapped to get away from us because you find us boring, we just haven't really felt that same level of support. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but still, I'd be pissed if I was a little kid and my mom faked being kidnapped and was gone for a while. Tries to come back all, what's up guys? I'd be like, no, 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 we, we don't mess with the fake kidnapping, alright? Papini has never given a rational explanation for her behavior, which included months of careful planning before she disappeared and temporarily abandoned her children who are most precious to her, Portanova said. Her actions stumped even independent mental health experts who said they didn't conform with typical diagnoses. Portanova blamed it on what sounded like a fear storm that was going on for a long time inside her head, but she is now a changed woman. Well, I hope she's changed if this is all that happened. Like, if you fake being kidnapped once, it's already nuts. But if you go through everything, get 18 months in prison, become like the the pariah of your town because everyone realizes you faked your kidnapping, hopefully you look around and go, all right, something's got to change. I would be way more concerned if they were more like, I don't know why everyone's so upset. My acting was so impeccable, I had the FBI fooled for four years. Yeah, they're probably feeling sorry now. Oh man, how embarrassing. Months of careful planning. So for months, every day, you were thinking about faking being kidnapped. And at no point did the thought of, hey, this is a really stupid idea, I shouldn't do this, pop into your head. That's what I don't understand about stuff that's very well, like, planned out. If it's just spur of the moment or whatever, it's still moronic, but at least you didn't think it through. You put months of planning into a really stupid idea, and it's just worse because it's like, man, you really put a lot of thought and effort into this thing that makes no sense, and still did it. How much brain power did you have to put in this not realizing it was a good idea? Because it's apparent to everyone. I feel like 99% of people listening to this right now would have been able to predict that if you fake a kidnapping, the authorities will get involved and they will find out and they're not going to be very thrilled with you. I don't think like the FBI was ever going to find out you faked a kidnapping and you were going to put up your arms and go, oopsies, and they were going to be like, oh, Sherry. And the last clip for this week isn't something that's like the bad. I'm glad he's okay more than anything. More just like what was he doing and how did he actually have the human strength to do it? You ever seen a semi-truck going down the road and been like, hey, I should jump onto the back and hang on? Yeah, me neither. I've never thought it was a good idea, but one guy apparently jumped onto the back of a truck 
and managed to hang on for over 100 miles. That is some superhuman levels of dedication to, like, actually hop onto a truck and stay there for over 100 miles. Sounds like something he would do. Wichita man arrested for public intoxication after hanging on the back of a semi for over 100 miles. That's an incredibly long time to be hanging onto the back of a semi. What do you think he was thinking while he's on the back of this truck? I also love how they got him for public intoxication. 100 miles takes what, maybe two hours to drive unless you're going real quick? Semis can't go insanely fast, so let's say it took an hour and a half, if they were going quickly. He was so intoxicated when he hopped onto the back of the truck that he wasn't sobered up when they arrested him for public intoxication? Goodness gracious, alright? I'm not trying to say it's a good thing to be that, that intoxicated. However, however, the fact he was that intoxicated but still had the grip strength to hop onto the back of a semi-truck and hang on for a hundred miles. Imagine what this man would be able to do if he was sober. He probably has the grip strength to like walk up to a bank vault, grab the thing that spins, and just rip the entire door off. Are you kidding me, man? He literally is so intoxicated he doesn't sober up at all in an hour while hanging on to the back of a semi. Once you're on, I guess, what are you going to do to get off? If you're on the freeway and there's no red lights or anything, yeah, you just kind of got to hang on and hope for the best. Unless you're brave enough to do a tuck and roll off a semi-truck, which I'm not, especially going freeway for speeds. Freeway freeds? I don't know what I was trying to say there, dude. Just bear with me. Either way, the guy is just uh, an absolute legend, intoxicated or not. I'm not saying it's good to be that intoxicated, but you're telling me you're not at least slightly curious if he has any type of mutant powers now. It's so bizarre, said Trooper Eric Foster with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. That's something you don't often hear from a first responder, but what happened Monday evening would have had those who have pretty much seen it all scratching their heads. The person called and said there appears to be a man on the back of this truck. It all started in Wichita when investigators say 30-year-old Dustin Slocum hopped onto the back rail of a semi-truck as it was leaving a shipping yard, and he held on for 130 miles. Nearly two hours and ended up in Guthrie, Guthrie, sorry, Oklahoma at around 2.30 in the morning. You know back in the day when people would like throw their belongings in the train car and hop up? That's basically what he did the modern equivalent of, just waiting at the shipping yard, hopping on the back of a semi-truck. Do you follow the truck if you're the person who called this in, or do you just like not want to see what happens and you've reported it so it's not your problem? I don't know. And also, did the police come out and like follow the truck while he's on the back? Was he waving at them, doing hand signals or something? I'm just saying, that's an incredibly long time to be on the back of a semi-truck. Two hours? Goodness gracious, I hope he had an iPad or something just standing there thinking to himself, man, this would be so much worse if I didn't have cut the rope on this iPad. Am I right, guys? What an absolute classic. Whose jurisdiction is this? Is it the place he hopped on the truck? Or does, like, the place where he ended up take jurisdiction? I'm assuming it's the place he ended up. Does the truck driver have any say in it? What if the truck driver's just like, nah, it's cool, I'm not worried about it. And they're like, dude, he was on the back of your truck for a really long time. Yeah, whatever, I I just don't really care. And they're like, are you sure? Like, we really want to do something. Yeah, don't worry about it, I don't care. All right, if you say so, they just have to leave. Dustin ends up 130 miles from home. Guys, how do I get home? How, How do I get back from here? I don't know, maybe you should have thought about that before you hopped on the semi-truck, young man. 
Not that 30's insanely young. 30 is a little bit too old to be jumping on the back of a truck and riding it for two hours. Like, not that there's any age I would expect it, but this seems very drunk college kid to me. This is a drunk college kid move. When I heard somebody took a crazy ride, I'm thinking, yeah, that's him. That's the kind of stuff he would do, said Shane King. King has known him for a decade and is a former landlord, and he has said nothing but trouble as a tenant. Kansas Department of Correction records also showed that he served time for aggravated battery. In this case, police arrested him for public intoxication and joyriding, both misdemeanor charges to which he pleaded not guilty. I mean, listen, man, I'm not saying you're guilty because you've pled not guilty, you haven't been convicted in a court of law, but intoxication explains how you think this is a good idea, and if you were on the back of his truck for two hours, it kind of is joyriding. I don't know what else you would call it. Is that the charge for being a stowaway? Like, what else would you really call it, man? I I'm not even going to get into anything else. I'm not surprised he has a record. It just seems like something that someone that would do this would have. Not in a bad way. Like, I, I mean, it is what it is. Like, it is what it is. It's a factual statement. He's lucky he didn't get hurt, though. Being intoxicated on the back of a semi-truck for hours is pretty dangerous. Like, it's nuts he was able to hang on. I still gotta give him that. That's some insane grip strength, bro. Are you kidding me? This guy doesn't even need a can opener. He just grabs the top of the lid and rips that baby off. I bet you this guy has the grip strength of, like, I, I don't know, an NFL wide receiver, dude. He probably goes to catch a football and accidentally pops it. He held onto a semi-truck, well, well, a little tipsy, for two hours. I'm not saying you should do that. It's a bad idea, but, like, that's, that's some grip strength, ladies and gents. Anyways, that's gonna do it for this week's episode, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I know it's a little bit shorter. I'm gonna try to get back on the longer episodes next week. I've just got some stuff I gotta go out of town for a couple days. So, uh, you know, couldn't really finish the entire thing. I'm back in town when you guys are watching this right now. But when I was recording it, I was out of town. And that's the magic of editing. But thank you all so much. Press the like button if you enjoyed. I would really, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, don't get anyone pregnant. If you do make sure they're hot, I'm out. Peace.